0: The enemy All right, man. Welcome to Crow Triple Seven Radio. This is episode 248. It may be a .5 episode. Uh, the title will tell you. Jason Lingren is with me and Ron Hagberg. Uh, Jason found Ron, uh, who was a P-Series camera user. When I say that, most people are familiar with the P-900 and the P-1000. The reason people got interested in these cameras is for the first time, You could, at a reasonably inexpensive rate, get zoom that only telescopes used to be able to get. And to be completely open, um, even small telescopes, four or five inches, are going to have more zoom with an eyepiece or what people perceive as zoom. I'm not using the proper language. I'm trying to communicate to a wide audience. Um, But the point is, all of a sudden there was this camera that had optical zoom, not digital zoom, far beyond what most people were used to. Um, anyhow, welcome, Jason. Good evening, Crow. So anything to add in or should we just do this thing?
1: Oh, I think we should just do this. Uh, we're recording this on the eve of Hurricane Laura about to hit the coast. So once folks hear this, I'll know whether or not we got a big old mess or not.
0: Right, so it's uh it's August 26, twenty twenty, as we record this in the evening. It's uh, seven forty Eastern Standard Time. Um, anyhow, welcome, Ron. Hey, it's good to be here. Hey, thanks so much for coming on. As we get in here, I want to bring up one thing. You know, early on when I was filming, I noticed all these things about the moon, and I was shooting through basically at that time an eighty inch old American-made Mead Schmidt crane telescope. But I kept noticing weird things like sometimes one portion of the moon wouldn't focus. And if I focused that portion of the moon, the other portion would go out of focus. And I kept thinking, this is me. This is my stuff. I'm doing something wrong. I don't know enough. But then this other weird thing I started noticing night after night, I would go with the exact same camera settings. And sometimes the moon would look really 3D. Sometimes it would look very flat. Sometimes it would look like a disc. Sometimes it would look like a ball. And to be perfectly clear, I'm not talking about the phasing of the moon. Everybody knows when the moon is phasing, those craters appear to have shadows making them look more 3D. That's not what I'm referring to. I'm referring to even on the night of a full moon where there are no shadows per se. uh, Sometimes it looks very 3D and other times it looks very flat. Have you ever noticed these things?
2: Oh, yes, absolutely. That was some of the first things I noticed when I started observing the moon.
0: You know, at first I thought it was me, and then I met Randy from Houston, and we got to talking by chance, and uh, by that time I was spinning my camera around to try to figure out why one portion of the moon, uh, so I was literally flipping my camera in 360s, trying to see if I could get the unfocused portion to move, and I couldn't. And lo and behold, Randy was doing the same thing, we got to talking, uh, my wife noticed the whole thing, so I, I'll, I can't tell you why these things are, but what I can tell you is the most mysterious object you will ever look at in your life is the moon. But where would you like to jump in? How did you get started, um, and how long ago did you get started with a P series camera looking at the moon?
2: I'm a flat earther. You know, I got into flat earth three years ago, and uh, that's what got me to go out and buy a P900, and then started filming the moon and you know doing some long distance photography and stuff like that, and uh, built on from there. One of the first things I noticed when I started filming the moon and taking pictures was like the clockwise rotation. And I never even heard of that before and started talking to people about it and asking a lot of other people. I not even noticed it or heard of it. I guess a lot of people just go out and look at the moon one time and that's it. You know, one time a night or they might go up the telescope and just look at it for a few months. But now I started noticing that and asking questions, and you know, look at the uh, heliocentric explanation for it and say it's just the earth moving. It's not the moon actually rotating, but I'm a, I don't Caught some anomalies with that too. That
0: don't don't really make sense. I remember the first time I noticed that too, um, when I first started shooting the moon. So what we're talking about is if the moon was a pizza and there was a pepperoni at 12 o'clock over, I think it's like, what is it? Is it, uh, is it 90 degrees every six hours? I don't even remember now. I hope I'm not getting this wrong. Point is, is over a certain number of hours that pepperoni would rotate down um, so it looks like it's spinning and it's slightly leaning forward and slightly leaning back. And the odd thing is, is years later, I don't, I don't know what you think is causing it, but at this point I'm convinced it's just parallax. What it is, is the moon is moving, uh, and it gives the appearance that it's rotating, but it's not. Mm-hmm. I've heard that and yeah, I'm not positive, but, um, I have caught counterclockwise rotation and
2: then clockwise as it's rising and setting. So oh, really? Um, yeah, it happens when the moon is furthest to the north, usually. I call it uh, somebody, I think somebody in one of my groups on Facebook mentioned it. And I looked up on uh, mooncalc.org and they're very accurate with this stuff. Everything I've checked with them, you can drag your time slider back and forth and it'll show the moon rotating in a little cartoon at the bottom left. And it does show it going counterclockwise for just a little bit and then turning clockwise. And I, I captured that not too long ago. What do you attribute that to? Do you have an idea? I'm not sure, really. I, when you drag your time slider across, when the moon is out of your view, say when it's over the Atlantic Ocean or something, on their little cartoon thing, it's actually turning clockwise, and then it goes counterclockwise. It's, it looks like it's rocking back and forth as it goes around the Earth. And you know, NASA shows the, the moon libation taking a month. I, to me, it looks like it does it every day, but I'm not sure. I'd have to do more make more observations and get more from around the world. But that's what it looks like to me. It's rocking
0: back and forth. Hmm. It's interesting. You know, there's other people that we've had on that have put so much effort into filming the moon. It's been so long since I've been able to do it. Um, but you've, have you filmed eclipses, lunar eclipses at this point? Yes. The first one I
2: did was uh, the January 31st,
0: 2018.
2: And uh, that went viral. I mean, that, that went crazy when I filmed that. I don't think a lot of people filmed that one that happened so early in the morning that was where the shadow was coming from top down which was very interesting to me and that was almost a know how to pronounce it the sunrise and moonset were were at the exact same time that day
0: so in your notes you had mentioned that during the eclipses the length and time of the moon staying in phase is an issue
2: yeah the moon only gets to 100 percent on the day of an eclipse i mean I, i never knew that i just kind of observed it and I looked it up, and you know, that's what they say, but they also say that the moon phases, you know, since the moon is supposedly, you know, the moon's constantly moving, and they say the phase is constantly changing, but on the day of an eclipse, it will stay at 100% for anywhere from, I've looked up a few of them, is from 8 to 16 hours, it will stay at 100%, it will not change, and mooncalc.org shows that, you can slide your time slider, in, it'll stay at 100%, and you can visually verify I can you know, tell the difference between 99.9 and 100. And that's one of the things I've been wanting to do for years. It's always cloudy. But if there's an eclipse, say, over Europe, the moon will rise for me at 100%. And then it will go to 99.9. And I've been wanting to film that for three years. <laughs> but I, every time, that the clouds mess me up. I've come close this last eclipse that was over Europe. I've, they got cloudy on me as it was happening. But, you know, I took the pictures of 100 and the 99.9 but i didn't actually i wasn't actually able to film it changing but i
0: think i can have you ever been able to film any phasing change i tried this years ago Uh, i thought well if i can just film straight for six hours and then you know problems arise because they were spraying so many chemtrails back in the day um so what i ended up doing was trying to set up the camera and i was going to take a still a high definition still every 10 minutes over six hours um, but I, I never pulled it off. I was never able to actually show a phase change on the same night. Yeah. I think it would be
2: a lot harder any other time. I think the time to do it would be when it's just from 100 to 99.9. Cause you can definitely see that crater shadow, the crater shadow start to appear when it's 99.9. So it's a very thin sliver, but I think it can be done during an eclipse.
1: And are you referring to with the camera or you'd need a more powerful telescope?
2: I'll do it with the P1000. You can zoom in close enough to see it.
1: You know, maybe we should speak about that for a moment because that's the camera I have. And a lot of people have the, well, either one, P900 or the P1000. But how good do you think these things really are as far as what you can actually film with them, especially when it comes to the moon, which is obviously the next brightest object in the sky after the sun?
2: They're great for the moon. Um, They're not as good as a telescope, but they are more convenient. I mean, there's pros and cons to these cameras. They're great for the moon. They're not so great for everything else, but they are capable. But um, you know, telescope is definitely better. But a telescope is harder to set up. You know, these cameras just throw it on a tripod and go outside, and it's a lot easier to find stuff and zoom in on. But
0: they they do really good, of course, on the moon. But uh, a lot of people get the planets and stars wrong with them. Well, when I when I went to your YouTube channel, I was happy to see you doing things like filming. Um, defocusing and over-focusing and there's so man that's when i'm able at some point to get back that's one of the first things i'm going to do uh, i am convinced uh that there's endless things we can prove with cymatic pattern and i was looking at the work you were doing and i'm gonna say that it's sirius which is the brightest star in the sky um i noticed you did it with with venus and sirius but i don't remember which one gave the five-pointed star um in the defocus cymatics Uh, Do you remember which one it was by any chance? I believe it was Sirius. So that pattern can be easily matched to even probably the Caladney work, which is very limited uh, to show the cymatics. But while I was looking at the work you did, you said a very interesting thing that I had never considered. When you defocus concentric rings come into the cymatic pattern like and you also noticed what I noticed if we're using a Schmidt cast grain one of the mirrors has a hole in the middle of it so when you defocus you can detect where that hole would be in the image that you're getting and you know that that's one of the the mirrors in the scope causing that in the image but what you pointed out was the concentric rings can be matched to the lens elements in the zoom lens of the camera And I had never thought about that, Um, and so I thought it was interesting, and I thought it was a thing that could be tested. But I also noticed you defocused city lights, you did a few things, but there were no concentric rings. So where are you at? Are you convinced that the concentric rings in a defocused image have to do with the lensing?
2: Oh, yes. Um, It depends on the the brightness of the light. I've tested on a bunch of stuff. I've probably got maybe 15 videos of defocusing different types of lights. I took a, a little keychain, um, little keychain flashlight that's ultraviolet. I hung it in a tree, and backed up 200 feet, and I could make it look just like Sirius when I defocus it. But I can I can see the rings in that. I did it with Christmas lights last Christmas.
0: So. You, wait, wait, a minute. You got a five pointed star in the cymatic pattern when you defocused an LED or whatever it was you were using. Uh, similar,
2: very similar. It wasn't exactly the same because the lights a little bit different, but
0: it was very similar. So I, I think I counted it. Was there five concentric? How many, do you know how many lenses are in the uh, the P1000 zoom lens? Is there five of them or something?
2: Uh, there's probably more than that. If you Google uh, zoom lens, zoom lens cutaway, I can't find one for the P900, but like um, some other lenses you can look up, there are just like 200 millimeter lenses
0: that are, have like 12 or 13 lenses inside it. Right, I I have a big old four hundred to eight hundred. I know exactly what you mean because I saw a cutaway of that. But basically, what you're saying, if the light source is bright enough, you're going to get the same number of concentric rings, which is dependent on the number of lensing elements in the lens. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, I I never thought about it, but I was paying attention to the cymatics. Um, Jason, you want to get in? I mean, I know you you have a P one thousand, I think. Right. Anything you want to ask them, Because one of the main points of doing a show like this is to get people to look up and film the sky. After all, the only time we got, it's in the sky clock. That's it. That's all there is, folks. Uh, The moment you begin to pay attention, uh, your point of view on a lot of things will begin to change, but are there things you'd like to address?
1: Well, the moon, I can generally shoot okay. Uh, Stars and planets, that's where I start having trouble. And as we had uh, spoken about the other day with Ron, he gave me an idea of how to actually get the planets in focus. But I find quite often when I've been fiddling around trying to change the different settings, I just can't get Jupiter or Saturn or anything like that just to come in and clear it all. Or if it does, it's, it's not at full zoom, so I can't get the detailing I'm trying to get. Uh, most of the stars I can't get. So I think that's probably a common problem because I do talk to other people about this sometimes. So do you want to explain to us uh, people who don't have a clue how to use this $1,000 camera?
2: <laughs> yeah. Um... The easiest way, the P900, you really can't get the um, exposure right when you're filming. It doesn't have any kind of manual adjustment. The P1000 does. So put it in movie manual mode and adjust the shutter speed to get your exposure right. You crank up shutter speed like when you're filming uh, Venus or whatever. So you can get that exposure right and you can focus it, You know, manually focus it. When you put it in manual focus, you'll see a little graph pop up on the screen. On the left-hand side, it's got numbers on it, zero through five. And you turn it up to five and it'll put a white outline around whatever you're shooting. And it'll let you know when it's in focus, when it's the sharpest it can be. That, that white line will get thicker. If you're out of focus, you won't see the white at all. But it's called focus peaking. That's a real good tool in the camera that um, it works on everything. It works on stars. It works on the planets. It works on everything. And then usually you're going to Put your shutter speed up to at least one five hundredths of a second or more sometimes i go one over 2500 on venus to get that get that brightness down and you can really get start getting the detail uh, same thing with jupiter you know if you just put it auto sometimes the camera will focus on jupiter and sometimes it'll focus on saturn but it'll be way overexposed and washed out if you get that get that down you can see the you, know, you can see the lines and you can even see the, whatever they call the storm on Jupiter if you get the get your exposure right with these cameras. So they, they do pretty good.
0: You, you can pick up the red spot on Jupiter with a P-1000? Yeah. Nice.
2: Yeah, that's not as good as a telescope, but you know, they're, they're pretty good.
1: What do you think about Saturn or even Uranus or Neptune?
2: I haven't filmed Uranus or Neptune. Um, I've done Jupiter, Saturn, Mars. I haven't done uh, Neptune or Uranus.
0: Neptune's an uh, interesting one to look at uh, because of the color. Um, mm-hmm. It's unusual, like uh, very blue, isn't it? Aquamarine green, I guess I would call it. Um, kind of a greeny blue, yeah. Um, it's a very unusual color when you first get on it with the scope. Um, they're they're very dim. Um, you need quite a bit of magnification. Uh, it's like when you try to shoot Pluto. I'm I'm not even sure you could. I don't know. I, I used to know these things, but I'm guessing you got to get six or an eight inch scope before you're because i had an eight inch with uh, a nine millimeter eyepiece in it and i wasn't even sure that i was looking at pluto it took me a while to prove that it, it said just such a tiny dim thing but let's talk a minute about i used to get so many emails about this people would say what the hell i'm looking at the moon on this side of the sky and looking at the phase and i'm looking at the sun at the other side of the sky and i noticed in your notes you've got a bit of experience with that too Um, noticing that the phasing doesn't seem to be right. And for that matter, we could talk about Venus. Most people don't realize that Venus phases like the moon. And that's another thing I appreciated about Ron's work is he took Venus out of focus. He shot it out of focus, in focus. He overexposed it to show people what it looks like when you're shooting overexposed. And then he brought it down where it should be so you can see the phasing. But basically, very few people are aware that Venus, though very bright, one of the brightest things in the sky. Actually, sometimes uh, it phases just like the moon. But uh, have you noticed all the oddity of moon phasing and Venus phasing? Yeah, um, I told you. I've, sometimes
2: the moon, the lit side of the moon, points away from the sun. I mean, it's rare, but sometimes it happens. Um, you can watch. I caught it in the winter. I think in uh, November. That's when I filmed it. One time, the sun was setting, looking due west. The sun's setting further to the south, you know, to my left, and the moon was setting to my right, which was further north. And it was after dark, but the, you look at the moon in the face, the lit part was pointing in the opposite direction before the sun had set. And that doesn't always happen. And I know somebody else that's caught it you know, in January. So I'm not, I don't know how often it happens, but I've got to get back into more observations on that. And something I was noticing with the Venus, I got a friend in England, that I was comparing his pictures. I got I my in Oregon that had some pictures of Venus, and then I'm in Florida, and I noticed that Oregon and uh, England are close to the same latitude. You know, they're I'm not sure how far off they are, but I'm I'm 900 miles or so south of Oregon, of course, further to the east, but as far as latitude, and. Oregon and England's Venus phase was kind of pointing the same way. They were a little bit off, but mine was way off from theirs. And that kind of is odd to me that you 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 shouldn't see that much difference in it if it's as far away as they tell us.
0: But wait a minute. Are you talking about the width of the phase or the direction of the tilt of the phase? The tilt. Okay, so here's the thing I can add. And this screwed me over so many times when I was new to this. A lot of telescopes have a prism in them. Which means they're flipping the image. Uh, when you look through, when you look through the viewfinder of a P one thousand, is the image showing you what your eyes see in the sky, or is it flipped? No, it's showing what you see. So, if you have certain kinds of scopes, there will be a prism in there that will flip the image. Um, so you've always got to ask if you see a difference. What did you shoot this with? Like a Schmidt Casgrain. Uh, anyone who's using an eyepiece almost always has that diagonal in there. Um, for a long time, I was finding all these anomalies and then I realized, um, it has to do with the equipment, but go on. Um, it's well, interesting. That's, that's the thing. We were all three using key cameras. Key oh, wow. Yeah. So there, so there it is. And not only that, I noticed you marked that you were 9,000 or 900 miles South. Yeah. So
2: I don't see how that much of a tilt difference could be
0: if, you know, if Venus was that far away, I think
2: it makes sense. if it's close. But it doesn't make sense to
0: me if it's... To me, it starts to be the same thing. Um, I'm just surmising here. Uh, I haven't tested this. But what I would look at is the same idea that the moon... Who was it that we had on, Jason, that put the pictures of the moon up in his living room?
1: I think that was Dave Marsh.
0: Yeah, it was Dave Marsh. Uh, Dave Marsh did a brilliant test where he took a phased moon, all the same picture, all upright in the same way. And at one on the far left of his room, he put one a little further right, put one, put these identical images, and then he took his camera and he moved it across um, to show that it appeared to be rotating. Um, And it did appear to be rotating. So I would suspect that if there was a more severe tilt where you were, it's just because it's further away from you than it was from them or vice versa. Yeah, that could be. um, Yeah, I know, Dave. Actually, uh yeah. he was the one that took the picture of Venus and England. that so was comparing. That actually tells us, and people might not be putting one and one together. And mm-hmm. uh, do you know off the top of your head how far NASA says Venus is? Uh, it varies. Oh gosh. Roughly, I, I always remember Jupiter because when I got attacked for telling everyone the NASA stuff was fraud, and it they it's usually around five hundred million. Uh, to Jupiter, and I'm all really, so I'm picking up all this nice detail from 500 million miles with my little rig.
1: The Oogles of Google says 75.883 million miles.
0: So there it is. So if what we're, what I'm surmising, if that is true, like the moon, it is much closer. We have been told, and the other thing I really appreciated about what you did with Venus is a lot of people post all these weird pictures of Venus. I fell for it once, and it's like this big old cymatic pattern. And what you demonstrated is get your camera in focus and don't overexpose it, and Venus looks like Venus.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's what that really bothers me when you know, people post those pictures and memes. And, you know, it's the camera's out of focus. That's uh, you yeah. know, but to do what I want to do to try to prove something one way or another with Venus. You know, there's just so many people that don't know how to film it. And that's why I want people to learn how to film it so I can, you know, maybe start comparing images. I've never, I've been looking for some images from south of the equator and I can't really find any.
0: Hmm. Very hard to find. I wish I knew somebody down there that could take some. Well, there, there's a couple of observatories, uh, some of the biggest, like Chile, there's some big observatories down there, but now that I'm thinking about it, I don't think they're optical, are they? They're radio telescopes, maybe. I'm not sure, but there's some... Actually, I know certainly. Um, what am I saying? I'm reasonably sure there's a big optical setup uh, on one of the Andes peaks, um, Tierra del Fuego or something like that. You might want to check into that, but here's why I think it's critical. In a minute, I'm going to ask you, You know, how can a new person learn to shoot Venus? How many times have you seen a video on YouTube where there's an airplane going through the sun and it looks amazing or that there's clouds behind the sun? All that is, is the person shot overexposed. That is all it is. Nothing magical. The plane is not going through the center of the sun. The clouds are not behind the sun. What's happening is their camera is overexposing or letting way too much light in. So what would you tell people if they had a P-series camera, 900 or a 1000? how would they go about trying to shoot Venus correctly? Well, one of the easiest ways I've
2: found without messing with the settings a whole lot is especially the P900 do it when the moon's out and you can zoom into the moon. When you when you first start zooming into the moon, it's way overexposed and you can't see the features. But as you zoom in, the camera will auto expose where you start to see the features. If you lock your exposure, zoom back out, you'll notice that you can see the features of the moon when you, zoomed all the way back out. Then you just turn and zoom into Venus and it will be the right exposure. And oh, wow. also, also focus. You can lock your focus and exposure. The perfect focus on the moon, have a manual focus, lock your exposure, swing over Venus, and it will be almost perfect.
0: So so what does that tell us? So the moon is supposed to be what a little over a quarter of a million miles. Venus is supposed to be over seven, um, but you can focus on the moon and swing. Actually, I did this, so I know. Not only could you focus over to something seven million miles away, according to NASA, you could go 500 million miles plus and still be in perfect focus because you can do the same thing with Jupiter. But that trick is a fantastic trick. I dig that idea.
2: Yeah. You can also do it with stars. You can get perfect focus on the moon, swing up to a star, and it
0: will be in focus how can that be man those stars are supposed to be a gazillion billion million light years away
1: (laughs) yeah Yeah, let's talk about that that's important why is that possible because by general optics and all that kind of thing should that technically not be possible
2: yeah i don't think it should be but you know the heliocentric people say well your camera's in uh, infinity and focus on everything but
0: right telescope it's purely optical. It's not in infinity. You can go with a telescope, too. So, Well, I, I proved that wrong, too, because when I was in San Diego, I shot a mountain that was something like, I don't know, it was miles away from me. And then I swung from the mountain up to the moon, and it was in focus. So infinity, my butt. It's just not true. And the other problem is parallax. Um, you know, that's another thing. Well, why doesn't the distance between the stars ever change? And that's part of their argument. Well, because there are a million, gazillion, billion hundred zillion light years away from you. So they're so far away. You can't see any apparent, apparent shift in the distance between them from just to be clear, from my point of view, everything in the sky clock is right here with us. It's our system. It's part of where we live. Um, that's my point of view. I don't know. I, how do you feel about it, Ron? Where are oh, you
2: yeah. at? Oh, exactly the same. I think everything's about the same distance away. I think it's all close. I think it's he, all within our atmosphere.
0: Have you tackled the all important question of how, how far away is the moon? There's a vexer. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if we can
2: actually come up with a distance. I, uh, I saw uh, somebody did a thing where they was trying to triangulate the moon, and they, you, know, you hear the three thousand mile number. But I got with a group of people when I first got into flat earth and stuff, and we tried to, we tried it with I think we tried it with the sun, but we used the uh, dioptra apps on our phones, and uh, it, I don't know if you know what that is, but will tell you your Elevation and all that stuff. When you're pointing around to your direction, it's got a compass on it. Stuff uses your phone camera and, um, has several people do the math. You know, I was here in Florida. I had somebody in Arizona and, uh, say somebody in Texas, maybe, but we took a bunch of pictures and crunched the numbers and we came up with like 350
1: miles when just straight triangulation. 350 miles up. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. All right. Well, that's going to do it for the free segment. Join us for the rest of this 0.5 episode on crow 7 radiocom
0: There it is, man. Cheers.